Good morning, Resurrection family. We welcome you to worship service. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. If you are watching online, please share with your family and friends and invite them to worship with you. And if you are here in person, you ought to turn to a neighbor and say, it is good to see you. If you are visiting with us for the very first time, we want to extend a very hearty welcome to you on behalf of our pastor, Ray Brown. As our guest, we want to offer you a gift. Please take out your phone, text the word guest to 830-689-8074, and we will send you a copy, a digital copy of our 21-day devotion. We have one more day on our 21 days of prayer and fasting. During these 21 days, some amazing things have happened in the life of the saints. One family was introduced to a relative they didn't even know they had. One of our members landed a dream job she had been waiting weeks to hear about. We've had weddings, engagements, and even rejuvenated relationships. What about you? What has God done in your life over these 21 days? Whether it is something major or something seemingly small, we ought to thank God right now for being an amazing God. Can we just pause and give our amazing God a hand clap of praise wherever you are? Just give God a hand clap of praise even right now. All right, it's time to worship. Now you may be wondering, why do we have on so much red? Why there's so much red? We are recognizing and acknowledging today is Go Red Sunday when we acknowledge the, the research and the care that has taken place to fight cardiovascular disease. We want our hearts to be right physically and spiritually. All right, church family, Pastor Brown is continuing his sermonic series called Reset. And today he is talking about resetting fellowships. Grab your Bibles and get ready. But first, the praise team is here to lead us into the presence of the Lord through praise and worship. God bless you. Let's worship together. Hallelujah. Bless God. Is anybody trusting God for anything in your fast? Yeah, 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 Come yeah. on, everybody, you've been doing your fast, even if you've fallen off. Are you ready for what you're asking God for? Then I want you to just get up and say, it's done. I want you to claim it right now. Say, it's done. It's done. If you online, I want you to put it in the chat. Say, it's done. Because what God has promised us, he's going to do it. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Come on and let's worship God.
Praise him if you believe it. Praise him if you believe it. Hallelujah, Lord.
wish I had a witness in here. He's so excellent this morning. Keeps on making a way out of no way. Woke me up in my right mind. In my right mind. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. his holy name. Why don't you just bless his holy name? Excellent. There's no name like the name Jesus. Jesus is the best thing that ever happened. Jesus is the best thing. There's no name like Jesus that ever happened.
Praise the Lord. Amen. Lift your hands real quickly because we'll get caught up all day. Amen. This is just a foretaste. If you don't know how to get excited and praise the Lord down here, just kindly when you leave this service, tell the Lord, I ain't ready to go yet because I ain't got my lines down yet. But once you get to the point where you know that I don't need a praise team, I don't need a preacher, all I need to do is think about the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me. And I'll, I'll shout all by myself. Amen, amen. While you got your hands raised, while you got your, that means I got your attention, amen. Look down your row and tell them, listen, this is the shouting row. Come on. Tell them, I can't tell if you're shouting by your lips, but I can see that you're raising your hands. But, but just in case you don't have a shout in your spirit, tell them, go on over on that row. Because you don't know what the Lord has done for me. dead sleeping in my grave but he woke me up this morning and I gotta say thank you hallelujah oh my 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 raise your hands up come on put it back up this is our spiritual antenna father in the name of Jesus we come right now thanking you and we praise you and certainly we are excited about your name how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Yes, God. Lord, now we need a word from you. Open our hearts, our minds, our ears. He that hath ears, let him hear what thus saith the Lord. Bless your word, let it be magnified. Bless your name, let it be glorified. Bless your people, let them be edified. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, our strength and redeemer. Anoint us afresh for the preaching of thy word. Penalize not these people for the lack of this person. And we'll be careful to give thy name the praise in Jesus' name. Jesus name. Amen and amen. Remain standing. No, 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 go on, be seated. Go on, be seated for just a moment. Amen. Thank you, praise team. God bless you all. Amen. I, um, if I wasn't the pastor of this church, I'd still be a member because I just love going to y'all's church. Amen. Amen. This is a wonderful community of saints. I'm just so delighted to see how we're growing and how God is blessing. Listen, thank you for wearing your masks. I know it's an inconvenience. It's, listen, trouble comes, but trouble don't last always. If, if some people would understand that, it's not, this is just temporary, amen. If, if you wear a mask and you find yourself with people around you that are not wearing, and they ask you, just tell them this is only for a season. Amen. You ain't got to explain no further than that. Amen. Let remind them this is not going to be always. It's, it's uncomfortable, I know. I'd love to see your smiling faces. Um, but I thank God for allowing us to... Listen, first of all, everything is made by God. Everything is for a purpose. And God, listen, other generations have gone through this. God knew that when we get to this point in this generation, in this time, that we would go through this. But we're better prepared each time, y'all.
And we just got to use wisdom. Amen. And we just got to be more trusting and stop believing the lies and start believing the truth. I'm not trying to be political. We need to stop believing lies and start believing the truth. Now, I didn't, rate, I, didn't, I didn't make this up. Some people put stuff on, you know, Facebook and YouTube and say this is not, this song does not, I'm not, I'm not the owner of this song or something. I didn't write this up, but the truth will set you free. Somebody ought to just tag that. Somebody ought to just share that. The truth will set you free. They're talking about, I, I ain't wearing a mask because I'm going to be free. No, the truth will set you free. Amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm through preaching. Let's give an invitation. That's, that's enough right there. Amen. So I thank you for that. I love my church. Uh, amen. Listen, today is Go Red Sunday, uh, fighting against um, heart disease. Uh, let's see what time it is. Uh, make sure I keep my right time. And, um, and so um, <laughs> we're not trying to support the Kappas or nothing like that. This is all about... <laughs> I know some Kappas out there. Yeah, I like this church. Hey, yeah, we got some Kappas here and some Alphas and Omegas and everything in between. Amen. And, but today is just Go Red Sunday to fight against heart, amen, disease. And we want to thank God again for those who are in the health profession to help us to observe and recognize these things. Amen. Silent killers. Amen. And so we thank God for that. Today is also uh, the day before the last day of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Amen. The day before the last day. Amen. Did y'all, y'all didn't, y'all, they didn't get that sneak. Today is the day before the last day. So if you didn't put any brisket out there on the burner, you can, you can still join us today. Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you ain't got nothing at home waiting on you. You can fast for one more day. Somebody said, I'm fasting during the church service because you're going to be so long. That's going to be like a fast. You can already tell, can't you? Uh-huh. <laughs> I told the Lord when I get the resurrection, I'm going to fast the whole service. Uh huh. <laughs> Shame on you. Amen. But, um, we have seen so many blessings already, um, so many things that have happened, I'm sure, in your life. I, there are things happening in the life of this church. I believe it can only be attributed to prayer and fasting. A church that prays together definitely, I believe, stays together. Amen. And so we thank God for you doing that. I want to give you a special thanks that I need to just say this, and I hope you're those of you who are watching this, and we're streaming. I want to thank all of you who have continued to faithfully sow seeds into this ministry. I believe in my heart that those of you who have done that are experiencing multiple increase in your life. And I pray that that will continue to happen. Amen. I hear a lot of people talking about increase and I want God to bless me and this and that. But you, you've not given anything. If you are struggling, you got to sow your way out of your struggle. You got to give your way out of your struggle. I, I, um, I'm, I was saving this for something else later, but I'm going to give it to you. This is a prelude to what you're going to hear later or see later, whatever. 
But when I first started tithing, things weren't working out for me financially. I just wasn't seeing anything. And then one day I just had to talk with the Lord. Lord, this tithing thing, I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul and robbing Paul and Peter to pay Bartholomew. But for some reason, I'm still giving to you and I need to see something. The Holy Spirit whispered to me and say, uh, excuse me, did you not know you was making deposits? And when the time is right, you're going to make a withdrawal. And let me remind you how this withdrawal is going to look. I'm going to give you a preview. I'm going to open up the windows of heaven. Y'all ain't feeling me, y'all. Some of you. You know, uh, uh, I had holes in my shoes. Car broke down. A different hubcap on each car. But oh, now. I go to a car dealership and say, no, nah, I ain't paying that. I'm good. No, nah, you don't need to worry about checking my credit. I know what my credit score is. You ain't going to lower it by five points trying to see something that I don't want to see. I ain't. Listen, God will open up windows of heaven. You won't have enough garage to park your car. You won't have enough closet to put your clothes. You won't have enough space to put your shoes. Is there anybody who's receiving increase because you've obeyed the Lord? Just keep on living and keep on giving. Because you can't be God-given no matter how you try. That's all I need to do right there. That's it. That's enough right there. Amen. Amen. So I thank God for that. I, uh, I could talk about that all day. I told you that was just a preview of what's coming at some point. Listen, we've talked about resetting your faith. We talked about resetting your failure, your finances. Last time we shared about your friendships. Today we want to focus on fellowship. So stand with me and go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10 beginning at verse 24. And I want to read into your hearing verses 24 and 25. Uh, I think that's from the NIV. Uh, verses 24 and 25 from the NIV. And we want to uh, talk about resetting your fellowship. Look at what the book, the, the writer of Hebrews says. The writer of Hebrews says, let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. Not giving up coming to 1002 Live Oak Road at the 1030 service on Sundays at 1030. Not giving up meeting together. It's okay to watch Facebook and YouTube, but not giving up coming to the house of the Lord at either the Rock or the church campus, as some are in the habit of doing. That's in the word of God, y'all. But, 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 but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. As you see the day approaching. You know why you ought to get all the church in you can get? Because you don't know when it's your last day. The day is approaching. So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, this is a good time to reset your fellowship. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Somebody's already turned me off. They, they was watching the Facebook page. They said, I don't want to hear that. Amen. Reset your fellowship. We're continuing our series under the general theme, y'all, reset, based on the same way we reset our uh, desktop PCs, our computers with three keys, alt, 
control and delete that if we give God control, he will give you an alternative that will delete every file the enemy has to block you from what God has for you. Today, we focus our attention on resetting our fellowship, and that quite naturally raises the question, what is fellowship? One writer said the simplest definition of the word fellowship is two fellas in the ship. Y'all are a lot better than the last campus. When most people think of fellowship, they think of having conversations, going to church together, uh, hanging out together, some form of meeting, eating, and greeting, which kind of reminds me of that kindergarten class where the children were asked to bring some symbol of their faith to the classroom, and it was a show-and-tell. The first child stood up on the day of show-and-tell and said, I'm a Muslim, and we don't ever pray without our prayer rug. Next child stood up and said, I'm Jewish, and starved David is very important to our faith. Next child stood up and said, I'm Catholic, and we don't ever go to Mass without our rosary beads. Another child stood up with a two-piece piece snack from Church's Chicken, wiped some of the grease from his face, and he had a leg in his hand and said, I am a, y'all knew that, yeah, yeah. Y'all heard that story, haven't <laughs> And church just ain't church without chicken. <laughs> That's fellowship. <laughs> what is fellowship? Fellowship is loving God's family. Hebrews 2 and 10, one translation says, God is the one who made all things for his own glory. God made us to love us. That's good news, isn't it? His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us unto his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. God created us in God's own time through God's own grace. God calls us to faith in Jesus Christ and having trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have now been adopted into the family of God. God made us to love us and God made us to love one another. That's my whole sermon. That's fellowship. First John says the person who loves God must also love other believers. That God put us on the planet for to, to love him and to love one another. That's real simple. If we get that assignment right, we got everything right. Loving him and loving everybody else. We wouldn't have to worry about wars or rumors of wars if we loved him and loved everybody else. First Peter 2 and 17 encourages us simply to love the brotherhood of believers. That's what God wants us to do. We were made for fellowship, which is learning to love the people in your spiritual family. That naturally raises the question. That's why y'all so quiet. Why? Why, pastor? Explain it to me. First of all, your biological family will eventually fade. All of our biological families, they're already falling apart. There are people who weren't, who were here yesterday who aren't here today. No matter how good they are, no matter how strong they are, there are fewer people sitting at your dinner table than it used to be 30 years ago. But your spiritual family, by design, will last forever. 
Secondly, secondly, we are to love one another because the choice to love makes us more like God because God is love. And then thirdly, as a part of a family of faith, God wants us to learn, watch this, how to get along with each other. Somebody ought to just look at your neighbor and say, can we all just get along? And every parent understands intuitively that instruction because if you've got two or more children, in the confines of your household, you want, you expect, and you demand that not only they get along with you, but that they get along with each other. It reminds me of another story of a father who heard all this commotion in his backyard. His daughter was out there playing with her friends. They were in a very heated debate. He came out saying, what's all this commotion? What's going on? His daughter just looked up and said, Daddy, it's all right. We just playing church. Y'all didn't get that. Uh, they wasn't on our Zoom. <laughs> Fourthly, God wants us to love each other here because God is getting us ready now for then. You can't love nobody here. You want to go to heaven. Y'all do know people are going to be up there too. It's the same people. <laughs> There's going to be some surprises when you get to heaven, right? First surprise is who's there. Second surprise is who not there. <laughs> Third surprise is you there. <laughs> I'm sorry, they just coming like that today. Huh? <laughs> Time, y'all, is a prelude to eternity. All this is is a dress rehearsal for everlasting life. One of these days, time will be no more. The Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise. Somebody put it like this, the saints will go marching in when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing it will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Every day will be Sabbath and never, the Sabbath will have, never have any end. The day of an unclouded day. We'll spend every moment through all eternity loving God, praising God, thanking God. But guess what else we're going to be going? What else we're going to be doing? We're going to be loving one another. Therefore, God wants us to get ready now for then. That's a challenge, because most people have no problem loving God. Our problem is loving people. Yeah, the world is so divided. I've never seen in my lifetime the world as divided as we are today. We just don't love each other. If you're not like me, you don't vote with my politics. If you don't stand with me on this. The poet said it like this. To dwell above with those we love, that'll be glory. But to dwell below with folks we show no. That's a different story. But here's a reality. You can't get into the kingdom with hatred in your heart. 1 John 4 and 20 ought to convict every believer. Those who do not love their brothers and sisters who they have seen cannot love God whom they've never seen. God wants us to love one another. That's the foundational meaning of fellowship. And that is the foundation. Listen, that's crucial. Uh, it's a point. Uh, it's, it's, it's a point that we all have to come to. It's a crucial point that we've got to come to and ask ourselves how. How do we grow 
to love the family of God. Well, we can all praise God and thank God today that the scripture provides crystal clear instructions on this issue. First Timothy 14 says, I'm writing so that you will know how to live in the family of God and that the family is the church. That's the new century version. What he's basically saying is the church is not a building, it's a family. It's not a business, it's not a social club, it is fundamentally not an organization, it is a family. The church is not a place you go, it's not something you have, it is a family to which you belong. You were not meant to live on the planet alone, ladies and gentlemen. We need each other. Romans chapter 12, there's an entire chapter devoted in the New Testament. Romans chapter 12 says it like this. In our relationships with each other, he says we ought to love one another. We, we ought to honor one another, to worship one another, to be gracious towards one another, to empathize with one another, to get along with one another, to be humble in our relationships with one another, to be honest with one another, to never be spiteful towards one another, and to be good to one another. My question to all of us today is, how are you doing with it? Because it is not only as you yield your mind, will, and words to the daily influence of the Holy Spirit that you can live the spiritual life to which God calls us. On our own, hear me when I say this, you will always miss the mark. It is only as you yield yourself as a vehicle in which God can live, reside, and operate and work that you will be able to know and do what it is that God is calling you to do. In fact, there are four levels of fellowship that I want to leave with you before we leave here today. We are, there are four levels of fellowship that we are called upon to share. I'm going to share them with you real quickly. I'm not going to keep you long as long as you keep going with me. You ready? Here it is. The first level of this is membership. Say membership. What is membership? Membership is making the choice to belong. That is the most basic level of membership, and it requires that we find a church where the word of God is preached and where the, it's taught in a way in which you understand. That's number one, membership. Secondly, membership is where we believe that we can connect with other people and share our time, our talk, our tithe, our talent, and then on the flip side, be blessed by their time, talent, tithe, and talk. We should go where we believe we can grow. I often ask the new members when they, uh, on the, in the new members class, what made you come to this church? And they tell me the experiences that they had sometimes day one when they walked into the building. Ephesians 2 and 19 says, it reminds us that we are members of God's very own family and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. The Christian life is not merely a matter of believing. It is a matter of belonging. And from time to time, you hear some holier-than-thou person talk about, I'm a spiritual person. I just don't belong to any church. That's like saying, I'm, part of, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a football player, but I don't belong to any team. Anybody in this service ever driven down Houston to Houston from San Antonio? <coughs> on I-10, raise your hand. Let me see who you are because I see what y'all driving. Okay. Most of y'all got cars that make it all the way to 
the next continent, but that's a whole nother lesson. But if you've driven from San Antonio on I-10 to Houston, you'll quickly notice that when you enter into the city, right at the Katy city limit, <clears throat> you come up on what they call HOV lanes. We can't get them here in San Antonio because nobody want to pay taxes <laughs> or tolls. And some of y'all need to get on some of these boards. Hey, that's a whole nother. I live in church, Pastor. Ain't my problem. <laughs> but those high occupancy lanes, HOV lanes, are designed to get you to your destination faster. Because you don't get slowed up. You don't get in jams Those uh, that, that other people get in. Uh, you're not slowed up by individual vehicles driven by individual people because when you travel in the HOV lane legally, <laughs> you pass up a lot of jams and that would have you would have gotten into if you were traveling alone, and that's the same way it is in the church, and it's true of any healthy, of any growing fellowship, some jams you're going to miss, some accidents you won't have, some slowdowns won't shut you down because you're not riding by yourself. Somebody's traveling with you. God wants us to travel in a high-occupancy vehicle called the church. And somebody ought to just help me illustrate that by looking at your neighbor and say, come on and roll with me. Come on, tell them we're in this together. Come on, really be 80s with me and say, we are family. Amen. Some stuff, y'all, we're going to pass up some jams we ain't going to get in. Why? Because we're rolling together. In this country, you've got now uh, Christians who have become so sophisticated in how uh, they like to explain away. They, they don't go to any church. They, they're called floating believers. They, they use the Holy Spirit as a crutch to say, well, you know, I, I, I'm over here this week. I, I've been to your church before. I, I like your church, but I, I'm over there next week, and they ain't nowhere. Yeah, listen, God ain't confused, y'all. If you really want to grow, if you really want to see God work in your life, you're going to have to sit your blessed assurance down. And get planted somewhere. You've got to get rooted somewhere. You've got to get connected somewhere. You've got to join somewhere. The goal of visiting church is not to just church hop and church shop. If you all you do is church shop and church hop, you are a spiritual hobo. Not connected anywhere. We, we, we haven't church in my apartment. We... Talking to another guy the other day, just the other day. You're a preacher, ain't you? Yeah. What church you go to? Well, you know, right now, it's just me and my family in an apartment. You and your family in an apartment. And I said that in my mind. Because I know how we like to defend stuff. And I, I didn't have no time to get involved in all that. I was trying to buy me some greasy food at this greasy place. And I didn't want to mess up my appetite. But I can tell y'all, because I ain't ate nothing yet. I'm fasting. I started fasting before church. And so I can tell you what I, can I tell you what the Holy Spirit just told me to tell you? 
I'm, 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 I'm all hyped up. Here it is. If you want to grow somewhere, you've got to plant yourself somewhere. If you want to grow somewhere, you need to get rooted somewhere. And if you get planted and rooted, you're going to get blessed where you are planted and rooted. Is there anybody who can testify that you've been planted and rooted and that you've been blessed since? I need somebody to help me out here. You and I only have spiritual life and energy and purpose as we are connected to other believers, y'all. Y'all, listen, this country, is, 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 they've forgotten what it means to be connected. Connection is, is, is important in being a part of a church, of a fellowship. And there's a symbol for that connection. Y'all know what the symbol is, don't you? There's, it's just one word. Baptism. Baptism. Baptism is the symbol of our connection. Baptism cannot save you. It is true faith in God that saves you. But if a person is not truly confessed their sins and, and, and believed in their heart that, that God says uh, 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 you just go in basically a dry sinner and come up a wet sinner. Baptism cannot save you. It's the symbol that you have already been saved. Can I get a witness? It's a symbol that you are already connected. It's a symbol that you are serious about your commitment. It's an outward way of identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just like he went down in the grave, you're going down in the water to symbolize that you are dying to an old way of life. And just as he came up from the grave, you come up out of the water to symbolize that now you're going to walk in the power of resurrection. That God has raised you to a whole new level of confidence and caliber and quality of living that you are now able to do now what you could not do previously because now you are a baptized believer in the fellowship of Jesus Christ. Can I go a little bit further? It's your way of announcing simply that I am redeemed, bought with a price. Jesus has changed my whole life. If anybody asks you, because I go a lot of places, just who I am, don't tell them my title, don't tell them my name, just tell them I am redeemed. Ah, ah, ah. See, People, some people get it confused. They got it twisted. They think just the, pre the presence of a ring means that you're married. It's a sign that you're married, but it don't really mean that you're married because if, if, you, if, if you're not married in your heart first, the wedding ring don't mean a thing. And, and that's what baptism is. Baptism is simply a visible outward expression and symbol of a spiritual change. Baptism says that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Baptism says I'm not what I want to be, but I'm sure not what I used to be. Says I've come to the point that I no longer live my life of faith on the DL. I'm no longer going to keep silent and be quiet. And stay out, stay in the closet. It's, it's, it's everybody else coming out the closet. Baptism says, so I'm coming out. And I'm going to let the, where's Diana Ross when you need her? I'm going to let the whole world know that not only does God love me, but I love the Lord. If you don't believe I love the Lord, come watch me on Sundays. I love God. That's the first level of fellowship is your membership. 
But then there's another level. That second level is friendship. Say friendship. Once we've established membership, the next goal, quickly as possible, is to develop friendships in the family where you can share your life. We share our lives, y'all. Any church you join within the first six months, it's been told that if you don't create some friendships, just like you walk in the front door, it won't be long before you find where the back door is. Because a choir and a preacher can get you here, but it's not enough to keep you here. If you're going to stay in the church, it's because you begin to develop meaningful relationships where you can share your life. There are several things we are to share with one another as a means of building our friendship with each other. Number one, we are to share our witness. Say share our witness. We do life together, and one of the things we share together is our witness. Proverbs 27 and 17 says, iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And the idea is that I don't have to make all the mistakes in my life for myself and by myself. I ought to be able to learn from some of the mistakes that you already made. And, y'all, that's not possible if we don't share our experiences with one another. You didn't come here saved. But the enemy wants you to keep your mouth shut because you look crisp, clean, and spiritual now. And the enemy don't want you to tell anybody what God brought you out of and what God has delivered you from and what God brought you through. Because if the enemy can shut you up, not only is he effectively silencing your voice, but he's allowing the brothers and sisters around you to get tripped up because you've not shared with them what you've already come through. Some people can be blessed by your real testimony. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you don't share what you've already come through, then the next generation, there'll be teenage pregnancies because somebody in this generation who was pregnant, who was a pregnant teenager, did not share or tell that ain't the way you ain't supposed to, you ain't supposed to go that way. In the next generation, there'll be domestic abuse and domestic violence because somebody in this generation did not share that God delivered them from an angry spirit. In the next generation, there'll be substance abuse because somebody in this generation was not didn't have enough courage to tell I used to be strung out on drugs and hooked on the alcohol and stuck on the chronic they got saved and when they got saved they got quiet and tried to act like they were religious rather than just being spiritual and telling what God had done for them don't you let the devil shut your mouth in fact if you I ain't gonna stop you if you want to testify right now and tell somebody girl I know exactly what he's talking about I used to be a hoochie in a miniskirt but look at me now God got me say I ain't trying to judge nobody, but if God kept you through a stay in the penitentiary, don't you be ashamed. In fact, if you're here right now, you ought to be shouting because you out. Everybody don't get out. Your witness is one of the most powerful elements you have. Revelations 12 and 17, I love this scripture. It says they overcame him with the word and the of their testimony and with the blood of the lamb, with the word and their their word and their testimony and the blood of the lamb. You got to get to the point where you open your mouth and you get bold with it and say, I don't care what you think. I don't care because you didn't deliver me. You didn't save me. You didn't bring me out. You can't keep me. You don't even know what God, 
I don't even look like what I've really been through. And I got to tell what God has done for me. When we share our testimony, the devil gets scared. I'm sorry. Share your witness. But then share the word. Acts chapter 2. <laughs> they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine and teaching. They have devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's why small groups, ministries, church school, Wednesday night, lunch with the Lord. That's why all of those things are so important in this church. Because in this room right now, all you can do is hear the word, but you don't get a chance to ask questions. You can respond to it a whole lot better than you're doing right now. <laughs> but you don't get a chance to ask questions. Pastor, can you stop right there? You don't get a chance to try to figure it out and, 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 and have discussions and dialogue about how this applies to my life. That's why small groups, y'all, are so critical. Because in groups, you can ask and you can share. You, someone can explain. You can explain what you've heard. Share our witness. Share the word. Then share our wealth. We must share our wealth. Malachi 3 and 10. 3 and 10 says, bring a tenth of your income to the storehouse. There may be provision in my house. Test me, says the Lord. Bring a tenth. God gives me a dollar, I give him a dime. Is God worth a dime? If God gives me $100, I give $10. God gives me 1000 I give 100 If he gives me 5000 if my income tax check come back at 13000 <laughs> Pastor, got a question. <laughs> Do I tithe on the gross? Or the net. Because in, in my last church, <laughs> I tell them simply, it depends on what kind of blessing you want. If you want a gross blessing, give God a gross tithe. If you want a net blessing, give God a net tithe. He says you get the chance to decide just how blessed you want to be. The more you trust God, the more God trusts to give to you. I wish I had. If he can't trust you with nothing, God ain't. No wonder you scratching and Every time you make something, it goes out quicker than you can get it in. The car breaks down. The refrigerator breaks down. Got to get a new air conditioner. Because you am, are, listen, when you are faithful to God, God will put stuff in your way. How do I know? Because God says in that Malachi 3.10, test me. Some of y'all lost a whole lot of money in the Super Bowl and all that other stuff. Every team you bet on lost. But God says, you can try me. If you a person who like to gamble, test me. He says, try me and watch if I won't open up the windows of heaven and bless you with flood of blessings. Is there anybody here that's tired of being on the corner of hard times and need more and ready for a flood of blessings? Don't be ashamed. Go on and raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to be, be on the corner and the flood of blessings. And here's how you get there. You ready? You've got to start giving if you ever want to start abundantly living. 
God is not interested in the reservoir of selfishness. He's looking for a cul-de-sac where he can channel some blessings. This is a biblical principle. And every now and then, you ought to even take the, the next step further and open yourself up to being a blessing to just other people individually. I've shared this before. I'll share it. I'll keep sharing until I can't share it no more. I'm places sometimes, you know, expensive restaurants, and I'll see some people that I know and recognize. And I know the Lord is speaking to me in my heart. This is a good time to, to bless somebody. You know, it's, it's easy to bless somebody when you are in the drive-thru and somebody's behind you and you say you want to buy them something. The person behind me, I, I'm taking care of their, what do they order? Ice cream. Oh, yeah, I got it. I got it. I got it. But when you're in one of them other kind of restaurants and they're sitting with five other people and you tell them, can you bring me that bill? <laughs> That's when you have truly learned how to give. When it don't hurt you to bless somebody else. And let me tell you something. You think that you get, you think that it really blesses, you think that you are, how can I say it, that you get happy and excited when you receive? There ain't nothing of the level of joy that you get when you give. When you become a giver, you can't wait to, you, you, how, how did you like that? You, you, you can't wait to see the smile on somebody's face, no matter how big or small the gift was. Just the fact that you gave it to them and the fact that they thought that you thought enough of them that you gave them something, that's when you truly are a giver. You ought to open yourself up to the possibility of blessing somebody financially. Sometimes you ain't even got to get nothing. Just put something in somebody's hand and say, you know what? Just be, you know, they don't have to say thank you, but you feel so good when you are a channel of blessings. God had to teach me that. Because listen, there is no limit to what God will send to you if he knows he can bless it through you. We are to share our witness. We are to share the word. I'm going to move on. Share our wealth. And then we are to share, fourthly, our worship. Y'all, I'm glad we are back. I'll wait for you. Share worship. Scripture says continuously, repetitively, they praised God. They worshiped God. Everybody here in this building right now, Jay has at least seven reasons why they should have started shouting when they walked in the door. Before you took your seat, you should have had at least seven reasons why you ought to praise the Lord. And if you don't know what those reasons are, I'll run them down to you. Let me see. Here it is. Reason number one, he woke you up this morning. Reason number two, he woke you up this morning. When I get to your number, then you can stand up. Reason number three, he woke you up this morning. Reason number four, y'all know a lot of people didn't get up last year. And this reason number five, he woke you up this morning. Oh, okay, everybody ain't standing. Reason number six, this is yours. He woke you up this morning. And then here's the biggest reason right here. And reason number seven, he woke you up this morning. You ought you to be jumping up and down. You opened your eyes, closing your right mind. That's enough. I don't need a choir. I don't need a preacher. 
I don't need some spiritual calisthenics because he woke me up. Y'all sit down. Y'all sit down. Listen. But I come to tell you, don't let anything hinder your praise. Don't let anybody steal your worship and your praise. Praise is your weapon. Praise is your muscle relaxer. Praise, oh, can I go a little bit further? This is going to be deep. Praise is your whiskey shot. Praise is your Tylenol. Praise is your Advil, PM. Praise is your way out and your way through. We ought to share our witness, our word, our wealth, but we ought to share our worship. Can I get you to give me at least 10 more seconds of sharing some praise in here? Let me give you one more. Not only are we to share our witness, the word, wealth, and worship, but we are also to share our worries. This is friendship, y'all. We can share our worries. Can I remind you of something? Everybody, please get this. You are not alone. Whatever you've gone through or going through, you're, you're not the first to go through it. Here's your problem. Here's our, our problem is we keep comparing ourselves to other people. We see where they're at and we think we're supposed to be way further than that. And maybe you are, but you're not there yet. And guess what? You got some people who you can share it with. Stop trying to be tough. Mary, Mary J. Bly said, I ain't sucking it up. Stop trying to suck it up and, and bear it all by yourself. Life is too tough. And you ain't that saved. Life is too hard to handle it on your own. And that's why many people are prematurely dying and, and, and wrought with all kind of hypertension. Bodies are falling apart, bipolar, trying to be hard, trying to grin and, and bear it. I got this. No, you don't. I don't need nobody. Before you leave this planet, you're going to need at least six to help carry you out of here. <laughs> Research has proven that all around the world, longevity is associated with people who share deep, common spiritual bonds. It's also been linked to the quick recovery and remission of people who have been diagnosed with terminal diseases, such as cancer and so on and so forth. I'm suggesting, all I'm suggesting is that when you go through, you're going to need somebody. Almost every month before the pandemic, this church was busy meeting the needs less than we had. That's a community all by itself. When you add the wives, that's 80 people. Every month, something's going on in their lives. They're trying to meet your needs, but they're going through things themselves. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We need each other. We need to pray for each other. I thank God for the ministers, the deacons, the, the, the ministry leaders in this church who are busy trying to help encourage and pray for people who are going through. We've even had to bury people who their own family didn't even show up to the funeral. If it wasn't for the church, nobody would have been there. Help me, Holy Spirit. That, that's why you need a church. You need membership. And then when you get the membership, you can get the friendship. Can I go to the next one? We need membership. We need friendship. But then thirdly, we need partnership. Say partnership. 
Here's what partnership is. Partnership is doing my part. Partnership is realizing I have a contribution to make. But not only is it me doing my part, it's you doing your part. Understanding that God did not bring me to this church to sit and soak in some spiritual sauna. Some people come to church, I want the preacher to preach me happy. What a cry didn't sound good today. <laughs> you need to read Rick Warren's book. First line, and that's, you don't close it up after that. It's not about you. Just, just read those words. Close the book up, you're done. It's, it's not about you. Go on and just look at your neighbor and say, I'm not going to even move my lips. I'm just going to look at you. You know what I'm saying. Come on, look at him. <laughs> look, give him that look. You know how to give him that look. Come on, go on and look at him. The one that's asleep, wake him up. This is a good time. Touch him. Say, it's not about you. We're too comfortable in church. Get mad because they don't call me. Listen, nobody, you didn't even tell us you were going through something. I've had people leave this church because they said, Pastor didn't reach out to me. I didn't know you were going through anything. Every family, in every family, there are responsibilities, y'all, that are divided up. You do your part, and then I'll do my part. Some people only want, you to, want people to do their part, and they just sit back and wait to get all. Listen, the power of partnership is when you are joined to people of like mind, like spirit, like message, common belief, common faith, common vision, common values, common God. And then you can enjoy common blessings common victory, common breakthrough, common miracle, and common deliverance because God will honor your partnership. Hezekiah Walker said it right. I need you. You need me. We're all a part of God's body. Stand with me. Agree with me. We're a part of God's body. It is his will and every need will be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. First level of is, is, is membership. Second level of fellowship is friendship. Third level is partnership. But here's the fourth level. Fourth level is kinship. Say kinship. Kinship means that God's goal for us is that over a time, over a period of time, we would all become family. I'm almost through. Hold on. Hear, hear me when I say this. The Greek word for that word, uh, kinship, comes from a word, quantania, which literally means kinship. It's the kind of environment where it's not just another member in the church, not just another name of the database, not just somebody who's anonymously in the crowd, but you've reached this fourth level of fellowship where you realize that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm willing to go to bat for you. You're willing to go to bat for me. You got a case coming up, I'll be with you. You go into the hospital, what time is the surgery? I'm going to stand with you in crisis. I'm going to be with you in distress. I'm going to be your shelter and storm. You're going to be my prayer partner when I'm in crisis. I got your back. You got my back. When everybody else walks out, I'll walk in. And Jesus says it like this in John 13. This, by this, not singing, but by this, not, not, not shouting, by this, not how big your buildings are, by this, not how many 
campuses you have, not how many suits you got, not how many clothes you got, whether they're new or, or, or come from, uh, but by this, what is the this? By this, the men will know that you are my disciples because you love one another. Yeah. Hallelujah. Y'all, love is the litmus test. And my desire at this church, I've been here going on 30-something years now. My desire here in my 32nd year is that we will not be known by just our size, our campuses, our systems, our singing, our, our strategies. I want this church to be known that when people, when they get out their cars and hit the pavement, they can feel the love. Now, uh, let me go a step further. When they drive up and meet somebody on the parking lot, they can see and feel the love. I've heard that testimony before. When they walk in the doors, that they, this church ought to be a place of love. Love, y'all, is the determination to look beyond somebody's fault and see their needs, to look beyond somebody's words and, and see their wounds, to look beyond their problems and see their pain because love is what this is all about. In case uh, you didn't know, I need to tell you, I, I found out a long time ago how much I need the love of God. And I'm going to close with this because I know y'all have heard some things. People tell me all the time, I heard some things about you, Pastor. Let me tell you, most of what you heard was a lie. But I'm here to set the record straight. So everybody, here, I'm getting ready to testify. You ready? You better sit up because this is juicy. You ready? Here it is. I was sinking deep in sin. Far from the peaceful shore. CD varies deeply and I mean stained within and it was so bad I was sinking to rise no more people thought I was finished I thought I was finished my friends thought I was finished my enemies were shown thinking I was finished but I got down on my knees and I called on the name of Jesus and the master of the sea heard he said hold on wait a minute I, I, I hear your prayer and I, I hear your prayer but he heard my despairing cry and from the waters he lifted me and saved is there anybody else got that same testimony how did he do it and why did he do it love lifted me. Is there anybody else who can say love lifted me when nothing else, not my mama, not my daddy, not my sister, not my brothers, but when nothing else could help, love lifted me. I heard Tina Turner say the other day, what does love have to do with it? Love has everything to do with it because it was love that brought Jesus to earth. He came all the way down to lift us all the way up. Love brought him way down through 42 generations. It was love that brought him born in a Bethlehem, born in a barn on the backside of Bethlehem. Love calls 
him to heal the sick and raise the dead and feed the hungry. But one Friday evening, love put him on the cross. He could have come down. Not the nails was keeping him there. It wasn't the spikes that was keeping him there. But love let him die. And the Bible says he dropped his head in the locks of his shoulders. And he died. Didn't he die? Matthew said he died. Mark said he died. Luke and John said he died. Paul said he died. My daddy told me he died. But that's not how the story ends. Three days later, love let him rise again. And I'm glad that he did. I don't know why Jesus loved me. I don't know why Jesus cared. I don't know why he sacrificed his life. But I'm glad. Oh, I wish I had a church here. Is there anybody glad that he did? Yes. Yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. You ought to praise him. You ought to praise him. God bless you. God keep you. Amen. Wherever you are right now, just stand with me for one more moment as we go to God. What an incredible on-time word from Pastor Brown. Thank you, Pastor, for helping us to reset our fellowships. Did you know that God loves us so much that he wants us to be in fellowship with him? Resetting our fellowship with God is really as simple as A, B, C. A, admit that you need God and without him you are lost in sin. B is for believe that Jesus is the Son of God and died for your sins. And C, confess that Jesus is Lord and is one day coming back for us. We have made joining this church, joining the family of God, uh, simple and easy for each of us. We invite you to take out your phone and text the word JOIN to 830-689-8074. We will then connect you with one of our sharers and tell you how you can become part of the family of God. If you're sending that text, we welcome you to the Resurrection family. Before we go, we once again want to thank each and every one of you for your continued financial support of this ministry. You can continue to sow into resurrection and the work that we are doing here by giving electronically through PushPay. You can go to your app store if you haven't already downloaded the app and download the PushPay app and look for resurrection. Or you can click the give link on the church website. Or you can even mail it in or drop it off to our shirts location. We thank you so much for joining us on today. Now remember, finish your 21 days of prayer and fasting. Finish strong and remember to expect something amazing. God bless you and we will see you here next week.